Welcome back to Voice Notes with me, Venetia. It's great to have you here. I'm feeling very positive and very happy today. I'm very excited to catch you up on the past week. I am someone who I think is occasionally inclined to be a glass half empty kind of gal. And being a glass half full kind of gal does take some work and effort and practice. And I think it's a genetic thing more than anything. I think I'm predisposed to anxiety. But today and this week, I'm feeling really good. And I've just been thinking about why that might be. And I think it's because I've had a very varied week filled with friends and new experiences. Also, the sun is shining and it's July, which obviously helps. But I'm really looking forward to telling you about some of the things that have been happening this week because they've made me feel really good. So yay for positivity. Last Friday, I went to my dear friend Becca Dudley's inaugural Deadly Music Night event. Becca is a DJ and presenter. We met when I was working in telly and she's one of my dearest friends. She's been on the show. We love Becca. And last Friday, Becca put on an event at the Hackney Night Market. It was just so fun. I had delicious Caribbean food. I danced the night away and she played an excellent DJ set along with other brilliant DJs. And it was just a really, really fun way to start the weekend. I loved it. And I felt very proud of Becca. I was dancing with her sister in the crowd, just watching her and watching this packed out room of people just having a really great time. And I was like, gosh, I'm so proud of my friend. And I really do think DJs and folks who play music, whether they're musicians themselves or anyone kind of in a music space in that world who brings us music and brings us good times. Gosh, they're doing great, important work. We really let loose on the dance floor. It's a really great way to let go of life's tensions and stresses. And for me, it was just a wonderful way to kickstart the weekend. And then on Sunday, I woke up at 4.40 a.m., which is very early, just in general, but especially for a Sunday. And this is because I was going on telly. I was going on a show called Sunday Morning Live, which is on BBC One. And this show is, I would say, kind of like a magazine show. It has lots of different features, all based around ethics and religion. And they have some really interesting, sometimes heated debates. And I really enjoy the show. I'm a fan. So I was very excited when I was asked to go on it to talk about sustainability and festivals. If you want to watch a little snippet, I've put one on my Instagram. You can also watch it back on BBC iPlayer. It's about a five minute segment. So I woke up at 4.40am to get ready and also to do all the things that I needed to do to help me feel calm and relaxed ahead of going on TV. Because obviously, I mean, I, I find that kind of thing quite nerve wracking. I love it. Don't get me wrong, but I do find it quite nerve wracking. And because I am, yeah, inclined towards anxiety, I can get quite in my head and I have all of those, you know, negative thoughts about, oh, what if I forget everything I want to say? What if my period comes? You know, just all of those thoughts um, arise. So I woke up at 4.40 a.m. because I wanted to do some breathing exercises. I wanted to do some meditation. I really wanted to get myself in the zone. And I also wanted to make myself feel great in terms of what I was wearing, you know, do my makeup, do my hair, etc. In terms of my breathing, meditation, skincare, that all went very well. 
My skin was playing ball. Everything in that regard was great. However, I decided that I wasn't going to wash my hair and I wanted to do an updo because I didn't want to have to get up like another hour earlier than that to wash my hair, do the whole thing. So I was going to do an updo and I only wanted to dry my fringe. That was all I needed to do. And I thought I'll make my updo just look a little bit messy and it'll be fine. It'll just be your standard claw clip updo, low key vibes, especially as I was wearing quite a fancy dress. I was wearing a sort of 60s inspired vintage 90s mini dress, which was blue and had sequins on it. And that was an intentional decision to wear pre-loved, but also to wear sequins because obviously sequins are microplastics. So I thought that could be another conversation point. We never got around to it on the show, but we've got around to it now. <laughs> sequins are not so great if they're new. So if you're going to wear sequins, prioritize pre-loved sequins or the ones you already own. Anyway, I put my hair up and I thought, oh, that's fine. My fringe looks fine. And I'll just spray on some hairspray and it will be okay. And I don't know if it was the light in the bathroom where I was getting ready. Who knows? But I go on TV and my hair did not look cool girl, undone, messy vibes. It looked as though I was going to prom. And I didn't realise this until the show was recorded and I was watching it back. I honestly look, especially because my dress is kind of was kind of smart and had sequins on it, I looked like I was going to prom. And I teamed the dress with my black secondhand boots because I wanted to give the look a bit of an edge. I wanted to toughen up the, the dress with the boots. You can barely see the boots in the shot. So I literally just look like I am going to a teenager's prom. I'm 16 and I'm going to prom. So that was that. Uh, MB for the future, Venetia. If you want your hair to look undone, spend a little bit more time on it. Just give it a double check. And also, Max was with me. So, oh no, I can't rely on Max for that. Anyway, hair aside, it went really well. I had a lot of fun. My producer was absolutely lovely. The team were lovely. The presenters were gorge. It was all around a fun thing to do on a Sunday morning. And then other activities I've been up to this week. I went to a pre-loved clothing sale, which was really fun. A great way to spend a weeknight evening. At this pre-loved clothing event, I was asked how I stay positive and feel like I'm able to create meaningful change when the system of fashion is so vast and has so much money. Basically, the, the, the question that we hear a lot, right? Like, how can, how can we make a difference when we're really up against it? And it's at this point that I'm really happy and excited to tell you about something that I've been working on with my friends. We are a group of independent organisers seeking to build on the intersectional feminist abolitionist movement against the harmful practices within the clothing industry. And this summer, we're running three entirely free online workshops to equip you, your communities and action groups with the tools to organise against the exploitation, extraction and racism within the fashion system. 
Now, these are all taking place online and you only have to attend one. You don't have to attend all three. And in these workshops, you'll get an opportunity to join smaller breakout groups to come up with ways that you could stage your own actions and start organizing yourselves. It doesn't matter where you're based. You don't have to be in the UK. You can be based anywhere in the world. We will welcome you with open arms and we're really looking forward to learning from everyone. This is very much a decentralized, non-hierarchical workshop where we're inviting everyone to share and learn as we do. Everyone is really welcome except TERFs and COPs and these workshops will all take place via Zoom so they are hopefully very accessible and I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing as many of you there as possible. Even if fashion isn't the specific area in which you want to organise, perhaps you're more interested in climate justice or other areas of social justice, I think you will still learn a lot from these sessions. These are taking place on Wednesday the 19th of July, Tuesday the 1st of August and Wednesday the 16th of August from 6.30pm to 8pm BST. So they are 90 minutes. And just to repeat, of those three dates, you will only need to attend one. You don't need to attend all of them. And all of the information to these workshops will be in the show notes. And I really hope to see as many of you there as possible. Now onto some TV. I've watched a lot of television this week. I watched The Idol, so you don't have to. This television show is unbelievably disappointing. It could have been great if it had a different leading actor in The Shape of the Weekend, a different director, and an entire shift of focus and theme. If you're not familiar with The Idol, it is directed by Sam Levinson, who is the director of Euphoria, which I personally really enjoyed. And it was created in partnership with The Weeknd. Apparently it is filmed at his house in LA, which is wild because this house is so shiny. There are so many pillars. There are so many fireplaces there's just just so much extravagance. And apparently that's The weekend's house. I hope that's not fake news. And it stars Lily Rose Depp as its main protagonist. And Lily plays a pop star called Jocelyn, who has been famous for a long time. I think she was kind of supposed to be a Disney star who was then kind of grappling with her own sexuality on camera while she also mourns the loss of her mother and there's an all-star cast other actors in the show include Jenny Kim who you might know from Blackpink Troy Sivan is in it Hank Azaria is in it Dan Levy just an all-star cast so obviously there was a lot of buzz around this show the one thing I enjoyed about the show I think was Lily Rose Depp I feel like she really committed to her role And she's enjoyable to watch. She's very beautiful. Her clothes were great. That is where my enjoyment ended. Please don't bother yourself with this show. It really is a kind of gross misinterpretation of female desire, of the pressures of fame and sexuality and celebrity. There was such an opportunity to make a program that could have been really exciting and interesting and nuanced. And to me, it just felt as though the men behind it wanted to put a 
beautiful woman at the front and center and use her as nothing more than an ornament, nothing more than an object. And honestly, it really missed the mark. But I did learn that Lily Rose Depp can act. So there's something. I've also been watching And Just Like That, which is the Sex and the City reboot. There's a new series on. Again, it's not great. It's not a great show. It's not that interesting. It's not that exciting. It is a pretty gross display of wealth and consumption. But I just really enjoy hanging out with Carrie. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the familiarity of it. I don't know if it's because I know nothing all that bad is going to happen. But I like it. I'm enjoying it. I'm watching it. Would I recommend it? No. And we'll end it there. One show that I have loved that I would recommend is Welcome to Wrexham. This is a documentary TV series on Disney+. Plus. If you liked Ted Lasso, think of this as the real-life Ted Lasso. Welcome to Wrexham follows American TV actor Rob McElhenney and Canadian movie star Ryan Reynolds as they buy and learn to run the oldest professional football club in the world, Wrexham. Wrexham is in Wales and Rob and Ryan teamed up in 2020 to buy it and they wanted to turn Wrexham into an underdog story that we can all relate to and root for. And it's a really, really joyful, funny, engaging watch. Every episode is quite different. Some of them are only 20 to 30 minutes, which I always quite appreciate. And they're just very, very likable. And there's lots to learn in the show. It's very kind of layered. You will learn all about football hooliganism. You'll learn about how something like a football club can completely alter the trajectory of a working class town or city like Wrexham. You'll learn lots about the history of Wales and the culture of Wales and the Welsh language. And I must say that Rob and Ryan seem like very good guys and it does feel like their intentions with this club are very well-meaning. And Ryan Reynolds is just so charismatic and funny. And I'm really loving this show. I would highly, highly recommend it. It's a great watch. That is Welcome to Wrexham on Disney+. Plus. Another TV show I'm really enjoying at the moment is Champion. Champion is written by the one and only Candice Carty-Williams. Candice Carty-Williams wrote books Queenie and People Person, both of which I really enjoyed. So as soon as I heard that she was working on this TV show, I was like, sign me up. And so far, I have not been disappointed. It's currently on BBC One, but I think it's coming to Netflix soon if you don't live in the UK so you can't access the iPlayer. It will be available for you really soon. And it is an eight-part musical series and drama following the champion siblings called Bosco and Vita, so a brother and a sister. And it's about this family who work in the music industry and how fame, greed and money can tear relationships apart. It's set in southeast London and... I'm not familiar with that many of the actors, even though they're all great. And I'm excited to follow more of their work in the future because this show 
does feel like it's going to be really successful. It's had five star reviews. Someone I am familiar with is musician Ray Black. She stars in the show and she's so great. And there's also just brilliant music throughout. Some artists featured on the soundtrack include Getz, Shola Ammer, and there's even a song from the Sugar Babes. So it is really a TV show meets music. And if you are someone who loves music, I think you're going to love this show. I've only seen the first few episodes thus far, but I'm very, very much looking forward to the rest of the series. And I think you'll really enjoy it too. So that is Champion on BBC One. It's now time for a quick break, but when we come back, I'll be sharing some podcast recommendations and we'll be having a look into the ATST mailbag. Welcome back. A couple of podcasts that I would love to recommend to you this week. The first one is a new series to me. I discovered it while I was on holiday. And as soon as I discovered it, I was so excited to sink my teeth into it. I was just scrolling through all of the episode titles like, yep, I want to listen to that one and that one and that one and that one. It's called Upstream. And it is all about capitalism and economics and unlearning. And the kind of main basis of the show is that it's about radical ideas and inspiring stories for a just transition to a more equitable world. So if you're interested in climate justice, I think you will really enjoy the show. And the episode that I wanted to recommend in particular is the one titled Decolonizing Conservation. And it features a university professor from the University of Connecticut, Prakash Kashwan. And it is just so brilliant. It's all about conservation, the history of conservation and the colonial roots of conservation. They also touch on conservation kind of figureheads like David Attenborough and Jane Goodall. I really enjoyed learning about national parks and how national parks often prevent us from living in harmony with nature and learning to live in harmony with nature. And also how national parks often push out indigenous communities and local communities who end up bearing the brunt of things like the climate crisis worse than anyone. So it's a real unlearning this episode. I cannot recommend it enough. I actually don't want to paraphrase it like I've just attempted to. I just want you to listen to it. It's really, really great. It will of course be linked in the show notes. The second podcast I want to recommend to you is one I relished this week. It is Tan France's appearance on the Louis Theroux podcast. You probably know Tan France from the Netflix mega show Queer Eye. Tan is the show's fashion expert. He is British Pakistani. He was born in Doncaster, but now lives in the US. And he is 40 years old, which is relevant because at the start of this interview, he talks about turning 40 and how he was nervous to turn 40. And honestly, from the beginning of this interview, it felt as though Tan made the active decision to give brilliant, insightful, thoughtful answers only. I think sometimes in interviews, 
it takes interviewees to warm up a little bit and often you get the really kind of juicy stuff about halfway through or even just towards the end of the conversation and Tan did not show up with that energy. Tan showed up almost unfiltered. He talks loads about his kind of career past and history and how he had plans to retire at 40 and then how that shifted when he started on Queer Eye. He also talks about how he didn't really want to be on the show which is perhaps the reason why he might have landed the show. I think it sounds like well it sounds like he thinks the producers thought his nonchalance was kind of appealing which is really interesting and he talks loads about racism he mentions how in one of the episodes of Queer Eye the producers staged a police pullover and didn't really give that the thought that it deserved and he talks about how it made him and Karamo, who is a black man and the culture expert on the show, he talks about how it made them feel. And Tanja seems to be someone who is really clear about his decisions in life. He also seems like he has great boundaries in place. He calls out ITV. And let's bear in mind, it's the Louis Theroux podcast. There will be people from ITV listening to this episode. He calls out ITV for their lack of South Asian representation, which is so needed and so bold of him. And I really, really respect him for that. Obviously, it shouldn't be on him. It shouldn't be on the South Asian man to say this. But yeah, I just really, really value him in this conversation. And it was really interesting also to hear him talk about how on the show, on Netflix, he is kind of positioned to be the palatable, posh, British guy. Whereas in real life, he is much more multifaceted and multi-layered than that. And that was really interesting to hear him talk about his kind of public persona on Netflix versus what he kind of is like in real life and what he holds back for this shiny, shiny show. I don't think the success of this interview is actually much to do with Louis Theroux. I think the success of this interview is Tan, is Tan showing up unashamedly and wanting to give the listeners something to think about. And I really, really appreciate any British person who calls out the UK for their racism and says, hey, let's stop shirking off all of this responsibility that we have to become actively anti-racist onto the US. We've got so many problems to deal with here when it comes to racism. And I really, really respected him for doing that in this interview. I love this interview so much. Please do listen to it. It will be linked in the show notes. It's now time to have a look in the email inbox. If you'd like to email the show or even send us a voice note, I would love to hear from you. All emails will be kept anonymous unless I'm told otherwise. And the address to write in or voice note in is atstpod at gmail.com. I appreciate that a voice note will be less anonymous, so you might just want to bear that in mind. Dear Venetia, I've been really enjoying listening to your podcast these last few weeks. I'm a sustainability consultant, so living sustainably and fighting the climate emergency is a major part of both my professional and personal life. 
These last few months, I've been really struggling with the fact that one of my closest friends works for Shell. We both did geology, environmental science degrees and studied together. Where I've taken the environmental consultancy route, she went down the petroleum route. She's worked so hard to get where she is and getting this position was a massive achievement for her. I've spoken to her indirectly about this and she gives the impression that she does what she does because she doesn't know what other job she could do that would make use of the skills and knowledge she's been building these past 10 years. Bachelor's, Master's, PhD. She also genuinely enjoys her work. She's on the geology slash science side rather than the business side. I haven't asked her directly what she thinks about the morality of working for Shell because I'm afraid of what would come out as a result of that conversation. We now live in two different cities and have naturally grown apart because of that. However, whenever I read about Shell in the news, I feel myself pulling even further away. It was especially hard in spring when I was working with businesses who were struggling due to their expensive energy bills, while at the same time, Shell was reporting disgustingly high profits. We have so many other things in common, and she's such a lovely, funny, interesting person, and I really don't want to lose her as a friend. That's why I've taken the approach of just ignoring this one major difference in our lives. Do you have any advice on how to approach this going forward? Should I just continue to ignore this part of her life? Should I bring it up? How do I speak to her about this? Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Please keep me anonymous. I absolutely will, I promise. I am taking your name to the grave with me, my friend. Thank you so much for writing this letter. I want to say that I'm really sorry because this is a lot for you to deal with. Shell is ultimately one of the most harmful, extractive, exploitative and polluting companies in the entire world. If I put myself in your shoes, the equivalent for me would be someone very close to me working at Nike or Adidas. That would put up an immediate sky-high pillar slash gate to our friendship. I can't imagine how it wouldn't. If it was me, I would have to have those conversations. But I also know how difficult it is. And I know that sometimes it can feel as though you're at a crossroads between, do I have these conversations and alter our friendship forever and perhaps lose this friendship forever? Or do I maintain the status quo and just having this hanging over me. Now, as someone who is currently going through this, I don't want to talk about it at the moment because I'm in the thick of it. I will talk about it one day when I'm through it. But I know that the right choice is the road on the left. It's the questioning and it's the risking changing the friendship. Because I think honesty and communication when it comes to friendship is the most important thing. And this is something that my best friends and the people I hold dearest remind me of constantly. How can you talk to her about this in a way that she doesn't feel as though she is being attacked, more that she's being welcomed and invited in? I think you 
almost have to remove your ego and make it less about you as individuals and more about how the, in this case, fossil fuel industry is harming all of us. This is the kind of quote unquote work that not many of us talk about all that much. You know, this isn't really the stuff that I think folks talk about online, but it is important and it is really, really heavy. Ultimately, you love your friend and you want your friend to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. But I think we have to kind of move away from this idea that all our friendships need to last a lifetime and need to be really deep. Sometimes we change and we grow apart from each other and that's okay. And if you do address your friend, it will probably sting for her and she will probably feel like she's been punched in the gut. But who knows, this could be the conversation that makes her rethink this decision, whether that's in a month, six months, a year, two years. And if you frame it in a way that makes it feel like you are genuinely caring for her and that you still love her, the outcome could be could be good. At this point, I want us to consider intersectionality. I'm not sure about your background or your friend's background, but I do think this is important for us to consider. So if a listener is new to the idea of intersectionality, it is the way in which social categorizations such as race, class, disability, gender, apply to an individual's or a group's experience of life and how they might be discriminated against or disadvantaged. And some folks obviously don't have all that much choice in comparison to other folks when it comes to the work that they do. So I just want to point to that and ensure that it's something that we're thinking about when we apply this email to other examples that we might have in our own lives. To the person who emailed in, please do keep us posted as you navigate this tricky terrain. And I'm really hopeful that some listener responses will be helpful. So please do write in or send a voice note to atstpod at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening to this episode. Please don't forget about those upcoming workshops and everything else I've mentioned in this episode will be linked in the show notes. I'm wishing you the most wonderful day and I'll see you soon. Bye.